0: verse 17 revelation 2 and 12 and the angel of the church of pergamum to him write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword i know where you dwell where satan's throne is yet you hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith even in the days of antipas my faithful witness who was killed among you where satan dwells But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrificed to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, on a name that no one knows except the one who receives it. So at Faith, and, at Faith and Victory, at Christian Life Church, um, at my church uh, in Cedar Rapids, uh, we do everything like Faith and Victory because I call Matt weekly and I'm like, what do we need to do to be more like you guys? <laughs> um, so we preach through scripture too and uh, God's having us through uh, revelation. Um, and as I was praying about what sermon to bring up, um, I couldn't think of one. So Amanda prayed and she was like, preach this sermon. So if it's bad, blame her. Um <laughs> but uh revelation opens up with these um seven letters to seven different churches so jesus saying hey i I want you to write uh, i want you to write these different churches and in these letters there's encouragement and there's rebuke and there's correction um and and most theologians agree that these seven churches existed and had these problems right then and there but also that these seven churches are representative of churches throughout all the ages and so there's instruction for churches uh today as well so today i want to talk about Uh, the letter to the church in Pergamum. Pergamum was unique in that most other churches were, were talked about for having upcoming persecution. Prepare yourself for the persecution. Get ready for the persecution to come. But Pergamum was different. Pergamum had already faced the persecution and had overcome Revelation 2, verse 13, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So at some point, we we don't know a lot about this Antipas, dude. Uh, With Revelation, I have to do a ton of studying, and so my my sermons get a little bit more teachy. And we we just don't know a lot about Antipas, um, uh, other than he loved the Lord, he persevered, and and that at some point he was killed for his faith. So at some point, Antipas was snatched up, beaten, and tortured. And to borrow from a semi-famous poem uh, written by the American poet Travis Tyler, Uh, He wrote, his killer walked up on him, looked him in the eye, said, are you going to convert? But Antipas said, no, I signed up to die. (laughs) What else is there to say about Antipas other than he won? You know, we just bought a building in Cedar Rapids, and it's, it, the building was named after this guy named um, John Huss. And John Huss was like Martin Luther before Martin Luther was Martin Luther. And he was killed at the stake for, uh, he was burnt at the stake for uh, writing scripture in common languages and, uh, um, and and preaching to lay people and saying that lay people uh, could acquire the things of God, that you don't have to be the priesthood and things like that. He was killed at the stake. And, and I was, as we bought this building, I was like, you know, I really feel like we need to honor John Huss and continue to honor John Huss. But I also didn't really know a lot about the dude, and I don't want to honor some heretic because uh, just because he was burned at the stake doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't a heretic. So I, I called up uh, Pastor Kerry Gordon, who's preaching here on Wednesday, uh, because Pastor Kerry Gordon knows a thing or two about heretics. Uh, he put out a movie <laughs> called Enemies Within the Church, um, and he's a, he's a really well vested theologian. And I said, hey, you know where we bought this building? And it's named after John Hus. Should we continue honoring John Hus? Is there some hidden heresy that I should know about? And Pastor Pastor Carey said, the man died for Jesus. What else do you need to know? And I was like, okay. So that's what we see with Antipas in the church of Pergamum. So that's the setting of of the church of Pergamum. It's a church in an area that is wicked and evil and surrounded by the world that hates Christianity. I'm sure you guys don't know anything about this um, in western Washington. That's the setting with with Pergamum. And so Jesus said, look, you've overcome the persecution. You've held fast to my name. You did not deny my faith. You've been victorious in this battle. That's the good in the church of Pergamum. And in in Faith and Victory, I see this in, in you guys as well. You're literally a church where Satan's throne is. There's such a wicked place here. I mean, It's beautiful for sure. I mean, Iowa's got corn. Y'all win in beauty for sure. Um, There are people in my church who've never seen a mountain with their own two eyes. Um, True story. Never seen an ocean. Um, But the the wickedness, the evil is so strong here. Sometimes when you grow up in it, you just kind of get used to it. And what was really striking to a man and I is after we lived in Iowa for three years and we came back and visited Washington, and all of a sudden we were scared to be driving down the street. And we were like, wait. What is this? this is this where we grew up? It was Kent. I mean, Kent's kind of sketchy. Um. (Laughter) But church, you guys have persevered. So many churches in this area have fallen to false gospels. Others still did not survive the the COVID restrictions that I believe that were in part, part of the enemy's plan to persecute the church. But you persevered. You guys made it. You you passed through this time of persecution. Well, at least if you make it to the 21st. um, Then you've passed (laughs) through the COVID restrictions. (laughs) Glory to God. So that's the good of the Church of Pergamum. I think it's the good in the Church of, of Faith and Victory as well, Faith and Victory Church. But there's some bad here too, and I think there's some warning for the modern church in the rebuke to Pergamum, and I think that warning applies to Faith and Victory. I know it certainly applies uh, to Christian Life Church back home. Um, and so I want you guys to just listen what the Lord has to say. Revelation 2:14 through 15 but I have a few things against you you have some there who hold to the teachings of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality so also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans so there's two things against the Church of Pergamum, and, and really they're kind of the same thing. First, there's those who follow the, the Nicolaitans. Um, and the Nicolaitans, uh, we don't know a ton about them, but from context, from biblical context and a few other extra-biblical sources, we find out that they were very likely a group of people who claim to be Christians. They claim to be followers of Christ, but they also engaged in sexual immorality, false God worship, idolatry, and they said, no, 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 this is good, God likes this. Yeah. It's uh, This is love. Yeah. It's okay. And so they brought in the wickedness of the world. So we have that. And then we also have those who follow the ways of Balaam. Now, Balaam was an Old Testament prophet. King Balak at the time wanted Balaam to curse the people of Israel. King Balak was like, these these Israelites, they're going to crush us. They're too numerous. So he called in in Balaam. He said, Balaam, you're a prophet of God. Why don't you come and and call down cursings on, on the people of Israel? And Balaam said, I can't do that. I cannot curse who God has set aside to bless. But then Balaam said, but you know what, Balak? Here's what we can do. I can't curse them. But if you can convince them to sin, if you can get them to sin, then God will remove his hands of blessings and curses will befall them. Numbers 31, verse 16. Behold, these on Balaam's advice caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. So you guys following so far? All right. So we got Pergamum, a church that persevered through persecution, but they were letting in false teachers and false prophets who claimed to be Christians, but brought in all kinds of false teaching and sin. Jesus said, repent, get rid of these false teachers, these counterfeit Christians, repent, or I will war against them. Revelation two, verse 16. Therefore, repent, If not, I will come to you soon. And I think it's very interesting, Pastor Crystal's word about things happening quickly, and today's message, Jesus saying, you better do this quick, or I'm coming soon. Repent, if not, I will come to you soon, and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Pretty harsh words from Jesus. But I want to focus on something a little different from these scriptures, and I bet absolutely no one has seen this coming. I want us to talk about food today. we talk about food (laughs) Counterfeits are counterproductive is the title of my message. Counterfeits counterproduce. In other words, when you eat fake food, you get fake results. You see, there's not a lot of food references in Revelation, not from a theological sense. But here in the letter to Pergamum, there's two different opposite food references. Revelation 2, 14. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrificed to idols, and practice sexual immorality. And then again, when you go to the end of the letter, we have so that's a negative food reference, and at the end of the letter we have a positive food reference, Revelation two seventeen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, because the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. So there's false food, false food offered to false idols, but there's this true food offered from God, the hidden manna. The manna from, from God is nourishing, it's sweet like honey, it's all you need. It is real from a real God, it is original, it's not a counterfeit. But unlike the food, y'all hear this as we get into this message, unlike the food sacrificed to idols, the food sacrificed to idols, that's everywhere. You're where Satan's throne is. They're offering food all over the place. They got this this garbage food that they're offering to their idols, and and it's all around you and it's surrounding you. Unlike that, what God has for you is hidden. It's the hidden manna. So we have these two foods, and we have a choice on which we will eat. If we eat the one, Christ will war against us. If we eat the other, God grants us a white stone of victory. Father, I pray for this message, and as we talk about choosing the true, choosing the real, rejecting the counterfeit, Father, I ask that you would open up our ears to hear. Holy Spirit, would you just uh, uh, be the interpreter for this message for each and every one of us, that you would highlight what in our life we need to get rid of right now, and so that we can fall into obedience for those right now blessings that Pastor Crystal prophesied about. In Jesus' name, amen. So the point of today's message, normally I do two or three points, but uh, for this message I only have one, and it's simply this. You have a choice, choose wisely. Yes. You have a choice, choose wisely. Revelation 2.17, he who has an ear, Jesus says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one that conquers I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone. I choose that, Jesus. Yes. Yes. I want the hidden manna and the white stone. Yes. It starts with he who has an ear. So let's do this. Raise your hand this morning if you have at least one ear. Fantastic. So we can all hear this sermon and understand what Jesus is saying. He who has an ear. That's you. You admitted it. Let him hear. In other words, you have everything you need this morning to listen to, to hear, to obey what Christ Jesus is trying to tell you. You have what you need. All you need is an ear to hear. You have a choice. Choose wisely. I've got a story I want to tell you about counterfeit foods. It's a story that I learned uh, while um, studying neuroscience um, as, I, as I help men with addiction. Um, I, one of my passions is to help guys get free from addiction. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of Christians whose morals and actions don't align. Yeah. where they morally will say, what I'm doing is sin and horrendous and I hate it and I know that God hates it, but their actions continue to go back to it and they, they, their morals and their actions don't align. And so we start talking about addiction and we start talking about the way the brain works and, and the, the neurology and the neuroscience between behind chemical um, brain addictions. Um, and, and this is the example that I give to guys. I want you to imagine that you've just worked outside on a hot summer day, I know it's kind of cold in winter, but um, uh, I preach this in summer, so bear with me. It's a hot summer day, you're outside, you're working hard, you're working in the garden, or you're building a fence, or you're doing something, and you're just exhausted. You've worked out, the sun has just been beating down on your head, you're, you're just like sticky and sweaty, and you've got like mud crusted up over your eyes, because you've just worked so hard. What do you mean gross? <laughs> so you got to work. I'm just talking to the men, I don't know. You've got flour in your eyes from all the baking you were doing, honey. Okay. Sorry. So you're out working hard and you're exhausted. You're tired and you walk in and on the table is a plate of delicious looking strawberries. They're ripe. They're moist. They've got like that mist over them because they've just been washed. They're bright red. And next to the strawberries is a Snickers bar. (laughs) Now you've got a choice. You can eat one or you can eat the other. Now if you eat the strawberries... If you just ignore the Snickers bar and you go straight to the strawberries, those strawberries are going to be the sweetest, freshest, most refreshing thing that you've ever eaten. There's no better spice than hunger. And you're just like, oh, these strawberries. It's manna from heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for these strawberries. But what you will find interesting is, is if you eat the Snickers bar first, the Snickers bar will taste sweet. It will taste good. It will taste, it'll taste a little bit salty. It'll make you a little bit thirsty. But man, that sugar will hit you and it'll be so good. And what you'll find interesting is you can eat the Snickers bar and then eat the very same strawberries afterward. Now all of a sudden the strawberries are sour. Yeah. And they're bitter yeah. and they're not refreshing. Why? Because the counterfeit has lied to you yeah. and tricked you and said this is how much sugar should be in things and this is what it should be like. And the counterfeits have literally robbed you from the nourishment that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Counterfeits counterproduce. Yeah. Counterfeits yeah. counterproduce. Church, you have a choice this morning. You have a choice when it comes to worship. There are counterfeit churches out there. Yeah. Y'all know it. Yeah. Counterfeit churches with huge followings. Yeah. Massive sanctuaries. Yeah. Seats tens of thousands of people sometimes. They even meet on Sundays and people stand and cheer to praise their false idols. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all think I'm talking about mega churches. I'm talking about football arenas. Right. Yeah. I'm talking about the church of football. Yeah. Big... Mega churches. Thousands of people come to worship. They stand, they lift their hands, they cheer. They come on Sunday mornings. That's their Sunday morning ritual. Some people worship the Packers, some people worship the Vikings, other wiser, more handsome people worship the Seahawks, but it's all false. It's a counterfeit religion. It does what Jesus does, but it does it in a false way to try to trick you into getting what only Jesus truly offers. It builds false camaraderie. It allows you to be vocal, to sing praises, to get excited. It allows you to meet with other like-minded people in fellowship. These are things that God created us to do, but in the context of his house. Now, I'm not saying that you can't like football. I love watching football. But if you replace Jesus with football, then you've made your choice. Then you've made your choice. If you miss church... You know, gathering weekly together to worship the God who made you, who died for you, who rose for you, who saved you. If you've ever missed church to watch a football game, you made your choice. And you need to repent from that. Like Seahawks get into the Super Bowl? Fine, record it. I'm going to worship Jesus because Russell Wilson's awesome, but he didn't die on the cross for me. Like, he's the one who gets my praises. Jesus gets my praises. Maybe football's not your false idol of choice. Maybe it's hunting. I don't some people hunt in Washington like four of y'all probably. Maybe your false idols your kids. you would love to make it to church but little Timmy has his soft bay all games on Tuesday. And and pastor, you know, we're not going to see you much on Sundays for the next 5 months because, you know, my daughter's in volleyball, but after the volleyball season's over, pastor, then then we'll be back in church. not my fault that that little Tammy has recitals every Sunday. I don't make the schedule. But I mean, it's my kids. can't miss that. Who are you teaching your kids to serve? God or Baal? Who are you teaching your kids to worship? God or baseball, volleyball, basketball? Don't be shocked when your kid grows up and leaves Jesus behind because you taught them that Christ wasn't a priority. What, What counterfeits are you choosing What counterfeits are you choosing that are taking away from God? Sports, hobbies, money, ungodly relationships, addictions, your spouse, your kids, yourself. You have a choice. Choose wisely. You have a choice of whether you're going to be fat or fit. And you choose by what you eat and what you do. You have a choice of whether you're going to be poor or well-off. And you choose by how hard you work and how, how well you spend your money. And listen, uh, some people say, um, well, it's not that easy for me. Uh, I don't know anybody who, who can't show up to work on time, work hard, and be respectful. And when I see people who show up to work on time, work hard, and be respectful, they get promoted. Yeah. And they get better jobs. And God takes care of them. I'm not saying you're going to be the next big thing. But I'm saying you can make these choices and not have to live that way. Yeah. Church, you have a choice of whether you're going to be holy or wicked. And you choose by how you live your daily life. It starts with salvation, absolutely, but it does not end there. We have to daily take up our crosses and follow Christ. Again, Revelation 2, verse 17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, a stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Listen, you have a church. You have a man of God at the head of this church. You have a choice. Are you going to listen to him? You have a Bible written in a language that you understand. You have a choice. Are you going to read it? Are you going to do what it says? You have a choice. What are you going to do? If you seek the counterfeits, it'll be fun for a while, like the sugar rush that you get from a Snickers, but there will absolutely be consequences. Counterfeits are counterproductive, and the end result is that Jesus will come and war with you. Dude, I don't want to fight Jesus. He'll win. Counterfeits are counterproductive. But if you choose Christ and Christ alone, then He will provide for you with manna that your soul needs to thrive. Whatever it is you need in your life, God knows you need it. He created you. You need companionship. You need fellowship, you need joy, you need peace, you need to overcome depression and anxiety, you need financial stability, you need health, whatever it is. L- listen, uh, I used to beat up on, on health and wealth preachers, but I think he, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy, yeah. but the way you do that is by choosing to obey and honor and live yeah. God's way. Yeah. Yeah. God says he'll do a lot for you, but you got to do what he asks yeah. you to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the people of Israel. If they would have just obeyed, God wouldn't have cursed them. But when Balak came in and said, hey, here's my daughters. You can sleep with them if you just worship their false gods. They were like, okay, they're kind of pretty. God cursed them. If they wouldn't have done that, they wouldn't have been cursed. There would have been no plague. They would have thrived. This is what I want for you, church. I want to be a part of a healthy and wealthy church. I do. But that means being a part of a holy and righteous church that chooses to honor and obey and listen to and follow after Christ. And like Pastor Matt says, I'm not talking about air-conditioned dog houses, but I'm talking about living a life where you don't have to worry about what's going to happen next month. Am I going to make ends meet? I'm talking about living a life where where when the doctor gives you bad news, you say hallelujah because let me show you how my God's going to show up. That's the kind of life that I want to live. You have a choice. Will you worship the true God or the counter? he says that he'll provide you with a white stone and if you don't know this uh, white stone in ancient Rome was uh, the trophy that you would get from, from winning a sporting event so, you win a sporting event, they'd give you a white stone, and you can actually Google, and they still have these. It has SP and carved in it. Like, they, they sell them because they found so many of them. Like, when you are victorious, you get a white stone. And so, what Jesus is saying is not only will I provide for you everything you need if you choose me over the counterfeits, not only will I provide for you everything you need, but you will be victorious. I will crown you the victor. So we started off this morning by talking about Balaam the evil and the evil king Balak, and you read a little bit more about what happens in the book of Joshua. And I want to I just want to close this 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 sermon and then do a, a minute of ministry by by talking about uh, what Joshua said about these moments in Balaam and Balak's life. Joshua 24:9 through 15. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Joshua 24:9 through 15. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand, and you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites and the per- Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gershites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the different ites. And I gave them into your hand... And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow, it was by my hand. I gave you a land in which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built to dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant. So pause before I get to verse 14. He's saying, listen, you obeyed me, and you didn't sin, and when you did that... Look, I fought for you. I cast out the enemies before you. I gave you buildings that you didn't have to work for and vineyards that you didn't have to plant. I provided for you. Now therefore, verse 14, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, you have to choose. <laughs> choose this day who are you going to serve. And, and I know that you chose to be in church this morning and praise God for that. And and, and I'm sure that the vast majority of you have given your life to Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to give your life to Jesus. Pastor Amanda, if you want to come up and play, um, you've got to choose, though, like, really, am I really about this? Or is this just an additive? Am I eating the Snickers and the strawberries? Or am I putting away the Snickers? Is this just something that I do when it's convenient? Or am I going to choose to serve the Lord this morning? And I love what it says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, because I know people who are like, man, that pastor, he just wants to fill seats and he just, what does he care if I'm there every Sunday or not? And what does he care if if, if I'm reading my Bible, man? He just wants my money or that. Fine. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then leave. That's fine. There's plenty of places that you can go and serve Baal. You don't need to come here and try to mix in Jesus with your false worship. Choose this day who you're going to serve. give some time for the Holy Spirit to do his work, but before I do that there's something more important we do and uh, this is again something that Pastor Matt talked me into one day, Pastor Matt called me and said you need to preach the gospel after every message I said I'll pray about it, and he laughed and he said you're going to pray about it if Jesus wants you to preach the gospel <laughs> okay fair enough would you all close your eyes, bow your heads you had cancer if i say that i've cured a disease that you've never heard of well that's interesting news but it's really good news for you if you're the one who's got the disease so the gospel's the good news the bad news is this that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god the bible defines sin as lawlessness in the book of first john it says therefore sin is lawlessness breaking of god's law God says don't steal and we steal. God says don't lie and we lie. God says don't gossip and we gossip. God says don't lust and we lust. God, God says don't hate without cause and we hate for all sorts of stupid reasons. The Bible says that God gave you a conscience. The word conscience comes from two Latin words, con and science. It means with knowledge. Con science, with knowledge. It means that God's written his law on your heart. And whether you've been a Christian your whole life and been in church your whole life, or whether this is the first time you've ever sat in a church, you have a conscience and you've done things that you know are wrong because God's programmed you to know that they're wrong. I don't need to convince you. So the question is, is God just? Because a just judge punishes lawbreakers. And I know that I've lied before and God has a law that says I can't do that. And I know that I've lusted before and God has a law that, that says I can't do that. And if God is just, then he must punish my crimes. What is the punishment for sinning against an infinitely good God? The punishment is an infinitely bad punishment. It's an eternity in hell. Jesus talks about it. The Bible talks about it more than it talks about heaven. Why? Because we need to understand the bad news. When you go to a doctor's office, he doesn't spend three hours explaining to you the cure. He spends three hours to you showing you the symptoms and the x-rays and every little thing that says, this is the problem, this is what you've got. And then he only needs to spend one moment to say, but don't worry, I've got the cure. And you're convinced. Be convinced of this today if you're not a born-again believer. If you're not a born-again Christian, be convinced of this today that you have sinned against a holy God and that you deserve punishment. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. How could a loving God send people to hell? Well, the Bible says he doesn't want to. It's against his will. That's not what he wants for you. But he must be just and the punishment must take place. So God in his infinite love for you sent his son who is holy and perfect to be your whipping boy. To die in your place. To take the punishment that you deserved. He got up on a cross and he died for you. And some say, well, how is it fair that one man can take away the sin of the world? And Paul responds by saying, well, it was one man, Adam, who brought sin into the world. And so it's one man, Jesus, who brings sin out of the world. So he got up on the cross, even though he didn't deserve to. And he died, even though he did nothing deserving of death. He had never sinned. He said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take the death that they deserve. I'll take the torment that they deserve. I'll take the pain that they deserve. I'll take it for them. But here's the thing about the gospel is that God is not a dictator. He's not a totalitarian. He won't force you to accept the gospel. Because accepting the gospel comes with a price. And that price is choosing to serve God all the days of your life. Choosing to chase after him, to follow him, to turn away from your old self. You don't get the Snickers and the strawberries. You've got a choice to make. Which do you want? So God, his love, sends his son to die for you. And God, in his love, allows you to make the choice. Will you accept the gift of Jesus' death and resurrection? Or will you go on living a life apart from Christ? If you're not born again, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never taken a moment to just cry out to God, to repent, to say, I want to follow you with all of who I am, and I never want to turn back. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. I don't want to be that person anymore. Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you save me? Would you live inside of me? I want to chase after you. I want to follow you. I want to be with you forever. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, if you've never been born again, changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will not make heaven book of John chapter 3 Nicodemus says what must a man do and Jesus says I tell you the truth no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again no man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born of the spirit so the question I have today is the question that I ask in my church every Sunday I know Pastor Matt asks it here every Sunday as well when I was 16 years old sitting in a warehouse off of West Valley Highway it might have been the first Sunday we were in that warehouse Matt asked me the same thing. I ask you, if you're not born again this morning and you would like to be born again, you would like to leave this place knowing 100% that when you die, you're going to be with Jesus. You'd like to live for Christ. You'd like to have the real food, the real love, the real joy, the real grace, the real happiness. If you're not born again this morning and you would like to be born again today, right now, this morning, morning, this moment, if you're not born again and you like to be. Would you raise your hand right now so I can pray with you? Is there anybody in this room? Raise your hand high so I can see it. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus. I'll ask one more time. Is there anybody in here who's ready to say today is the day of salvation? I'm ready to go all in for Jesus. Would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Praise God. Praise God. All right, all eyes open. No heads bowed. The Bible says confess your sins to one another. There's power in confession. It's one of the reasons why the enemy doesn't want us to meet together. There's power in confession. And there is no shame in repentance. Now, there's a lot of shame in sin. There's a lot of shame in sin, but there's no shame in In repentance, because repentance is victory over sin, it's conquering sin. So I want to give you an opportunity to confess and repent this morning. Like I said, all eyes open, no heads bowed, because we're Christians and we do things together. This isn't a secret time. This is time for us to stand up and be bold in Christ. Have you chosen counterfeits that are taking away from God? as sports become such an addiction in your life that on Sunday morning when you're supposed to be worshiping, you're pulling out your phone and checking stats. I've been there. I can't play fantasy football anymore. I was like, I just can't do it. God's too important. I'm not going to check my phone while I'm worshiping. You have a hobby that demands your attention more than Jesus Christ who died and rose for you, who intercedes at the right hand of the Father for you. Is money more important than you, than your relationship with Jesus? you struggle with tithing and offering it's okay if you do because today you're going to repent and you're going to fix it what's not okay is for you to try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church do you have ungodly relationships the bible says be ye unequally yoked and, and we talk about it in, in the marriage context but it's actually not in the marriage context it's in the friends context in, in, in the full context about what friends do you choose? Do you have friends and the way you act around them is different than the way you act around your Christian friends? You've made idols. You're not a Christian just Sunday mornings. Maybe you've got an addiction this morning. I don't know what your addiction is to. Maybe it's some chemical substance, something that you put into your body. Maybe it's something that you watch, something that you do. Maybe you have an addiction that you know is just crippling you. Maybe your spouse is your idol. Men, you should be leading your spouses. I've met men who won't come to certain churches because their wife doesn't like it. And I'm like, who's the spiritual leader in this household? You're going to go to some subpar kind of garbage service where you don't even say the name of Jesus because that's what your wife likes? How about you lead your, your family? How, how about it's more important that your wife makes heaven than that your wife is happy at this very moment? Your kids... So many parents are more worried about their kids making Harvard than making heaven. And I would rather, you know, and it just frustrates the snot out of me. If you didn't send your kids to school and your kids were illiterate, it would be considered child abuse. So we send our kids to school five days a week, but getting them to church so that they can be biblically literate, man, that's hard to do one day a week, let alone two. That's for the crazy people who come on Wednesday. What's more important, I'd rather my kids be illiterate and love Jesus than know all the things in the world and die and go to hell forever. Maybe you're idols yourself. Maybe you just like yourself too much. Maybe you don't go to church sometimes because you don't want to. There are many Sundays where I don't want to go to church. But there's never been a Sunday where I've regretted going to church. Not a single time. You have a choice. Choose wisely. This morning, I just want you to take one moment. And ask the Holy Spirit, do you have an idol in your life that's been taken away from Jesus? If you have something in your life, and I don't want everyone to respond to this, I want it to be real. If you have something in your life where the Holy Spirit has said in this moment, this is what's taking away from Jesus. Maybe you don't need the Holy Spirit to say it because you already know. If that's you this morning, I want you to respond physically. I believe in breaking chains and I believe physical actions help break those chains. I want you to respond physically by standing up right now. If you've got something that's taken away from Jesus and you're ready to be done with it, stand up. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Y'all can clap. Glory to God. No shame in repentance. That's victory. is good but repentance is better so I want you to decide right now in your head what change are you going to make in your life before this day is over to fix that problem maybe you need to uninstall the app before you leave this room maybe you need to talk to someone and say listen I got this addiction and I need accountability because I'm done I'm ready to be done with this maybe you need to find a deacon or a pastor and just say listen this is what's going on in my life and I need someone to know because I'm not going to do it anymore Maybe there's a relationship in your life, and you just need to decide right now that I'm not doing that relationship anymore. I'm going to block up. If they want to see me, they can come see me at church on Sunday morning. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus for each and every person standing in here, Lord, that you would give them the strength and the power and the fortitude to say no and to continue saying no to idols, to put them away, to put away the false gods that they served before they were Christians pray that you would just break these chains. Father, if there's addiction in this place, let it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. If there's depression in this place, let it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. If there is idolatry when it comes to money, let it be broken in the name of Jesus. We do not serve mammon in this this house. We serve God, the living God, the true God. Break those chains in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that this would be a life-change moment for everybody who's standing right now. Help them to choose and continually to choose the good. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online we want to encourage you to like our facebook page follow us on social media if you're a regular watcher of faith and victory online would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you we want to be connected with you make sure you like and share this video and we'll see you next week at faith and victory church we love you have a great day